elements, the building blocks of a spiritual life. It's going to be exciting, and that's going to be for people that are new and people that just want something to do on Friday night. And so we're going to fill the schedule, amen, with a lot of good things. Praise God. Psalm 107, verse number one. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Mm. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. For a few moments tonight, I want to preach to you on one word, redemption. Praise God. Turn to your neighbor and tell them redemption. That's in all caps, by the way. All caps. Redemption. Redemption. There's a difference. If it's in all caps, you're shouting it, right? When you text, for those of you that don't know, okay, some of us are still learning, right? If you don't know, if you write something in caps, you're yelling it. What are you girls laughing at? So if, if you're always yelling, that's not really good. So you take it down a notch. But tonight's title is in all caps, and it is REDEMPTION. That's what we're preaching about here tonight. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated here tonight. Thank you for your worship and for your faithfulness to the house of God. Amen. Words that we grow up with, some things that we grow up with, we don't examine them. They just become a part of our vocabulary. And at some point in time, someone may ask us, what does that actually mean? They become embedded, and many times we don't examine them until someone questions what that particular word means or where we even acquired them. We just say them, and it becomes a part of who we are and yet we really don't dig any deeper to understand where that came from, who we heard it from, and why it's become a part of the fabric of our life. In history, there was a famous philosopher by the name of Socrates, and at the end of his life, he uttered a famous statement. He said, the unexamined life is not worth living, meaning that it is good to examine or to dig deeper. He would stand in the middle of the town and people would pass by. He was uh, called a gadfly. He would ask people, do you believe in truth? And they would say, yes, I believe in truth. And then he would ask them, well, what is truth? And it would carry out a conversation of trying to define and describe what is truth. He would make them dig deeper. What is knowledge? What is knowledge? What is truth? And, and in the conversation, he would force individuals to examine words that had concepts and meanings that were very, very deep. He would cause them to dig deeper. Jesus used the question to penetrate. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 5, Paul said, examine yourselves. Whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. Paul said you have to examine yourself. Jesus used parables and questions to penetrate, causing individuals to go a little deeper about what they thought or, or what he was trying to bring to their uh, attention. 
Examples are to point out our ability to attach action to something we may not have clearly examined. And so we end up doing something, but not necessarily knowing why. I remember as a young man saying things like, I'm justified, I'm sanctified, yet not really knowing what justification or sanctification really, really was. And yet it sounded really good. It sounded great, but not knowing what it means when you apply the meaning to what you're saying, it has a much greater impact. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This doesn't mean that you create your own method of salvation or methodology. It just simply means that you take responsibility to examine yourself as to whether or not you are saved or in the right place and that your life is anchored in the right place. Examine yourself. And so today in the house of God, we have spent some time coming here to examine ourselves through the word of God, the presence of God, the anointing of God. So what does it mean when we read this verse and says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That's pretty easy to understand. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. What does it mean to be redeemed? Hallelujah. If the redeemed of the Lord are supposed to say so, then we've got something to say, brother. And we've got something to say, sister. There's something that should be upon our lips. We should say it with emphatic uh we should say it loud. We should say it with emphatic tones. We should say it with full of joy. We should say it on the mountaintop. We should say it in the valley. We should say it to the rich. We should say it to the poor. We should say it to every nation. We should say it to every race. We should say it to every tongue. And this is our duty tonight because if the word of God tells us that the redeemed of the Lord should say so, then we should be saying something if we have been redeemed and we understand what that word actually means before we even get there how about we start with the first verse that says oh give thanks unto the lord for he is good and his mercy endureth forever anybody experience the mercy of god anybody thankful that you're here tonight because of god's mercy i shouldn't be here but because of the mercy of God. He looked past a lot of things. Hallelujah. Anybody here thankful? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. I'm thankful here tonight to know that I serve a good God. I don't serve a bad God. I don't serve an insignificant God, but I serve a good God. Despite where I may be and what I may feel, I know that he's good because the word of God says that he is good. And so I'm going to give him thanks. But what does it mean to be redeemed? The idea appears in regards to property. In the Old Testament, in Leviticus, there were laws governing property. And this same principle, if we wanted to take one particular passage or example, we would apply it to Naomi. When she left Bethlehem for Moab, Elimelech sold his parcel of land. 
sold it, sold it and walked away, went to Moab during a time of famine, thinking that it would be better in Moab than to stay where they were in Bethlehem. And so they sold their piece of property. They found out later it was not better in Moab. It was not better in Moab. Be careful before you launch out and go to Moab. Hallelujah. It may not be better there. You might better stay in Bethlehem. And so they went to Moab, and then eventually they came back to Bethlehem. But the property that they sold, that parcel of land, there was no way that they could get it back or purchase it back unless there was a kinsman redeemer, somebody that was connected to the family that would be able to redeem or to buy back that parcel of land. Boaz buys back that parcel of land. Not only did it pertain to property, this was obviously a distressing situation, but it also pertained to yourself. For in Leviticus, it tells us if a foreigner among you becomes rich, and an Israelite becomes poor and has to sell himself to the foreigner or to the foreigner's family, he may be redeemed by one of his brothers, his uncle, nephew, or anyone else who is a near relative. He may also redeem himself if he can find money. So if you got in a situation where you were in distress, it's not property here, but it's just money, and you got yourself in a situation where you owed somebody and you didn't have the wherewithal to pay them back, somebody could step in on your behalf and redeemed you. If you had an uncle or a father or a brother or somebody, or if you could come up with some money, someone would be able to buy back your freedom. You sold yourself into slavery and you're a slave, but you're hoping that there is somebody that's a kinsman redeemer that could come buy back your freedom. Well, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here tonight, but I can, I can, I can relate to that because we were all born into sin and iniquity we were slaves to sin and God said I'll go ahead and buy back your freedom nobody else could do that I couldn't find a, a brother or a sister or a mother or somebody else I didn't have enough money to buy back my condition but God said I'll pay the price for you and give you the opportunity to be free once again. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. I wonder tonight if you really understand and recognize that you are a freeborn citizen. You are not a slave, but you have liberty. be property it could be goodness if you had to sell yourself from this start the word redemption is used in the sense of deliverance deliverance from poverty deliverance from being a social outcast and this is where we get some of our understanding about what a redeemer is and and then thereby what redemption is Man, think about it. If you had Michael, if you had to sell your if 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 you lost your job and you had a bunch of money and loans to pay and you had to sell yourself as a slave to somebody, you would hope, hope that your mom or dad would bail you out, right? That's what redemption is. <laughs> 
Now, if they said, no, we're not going to do it, you're just going to have to, <laughs> you're on your own, which might be something that your dad would say. So you better be very careful and keep that job, all right? All right. Your mom wouldn't, but your dad might. I'm just kidding. But that's what, don't look at me like that. But that is what redemption would mean to you. It wouldn't be a good state of our situation but if somebody came and said i'll pay the price to get you out of your predicament you would have a greater understanding of what redemption is because somebody redeemed you so it had to do with distress it had to do with distress a sense of deliverance from poverty or, or being a social outcast and god himself in the old testament becomes the deliverer or the redeemer of israel we have abraham isaac jacob that becomes Israel. They are led into bondage in Egyptian bondage. They're hard. Their life is hard. Much labor and difficulty. God becomes their deliverer. He becomes the one that leads them out. They are no longer slaves, but he leads them out with a mighty hand. I've come to deliver you from the hand of the Pharaoh that doesn't know Joseph. And so he has made your life very, very difficult with much rigor and hard labor. And so I'm going to lead you out with a mighty hand. He calls Moses and he leads the children of Israel. He redeems them. He calls them to himself and provides to them a liberty. Moses, when he's having a conversation to God about the people who are worshiping the golden calf, he prays to the Lord and he said, O oh Lord God, destroy not thy people and thine inheritance whom thou hast redeemed to thee from Egypt, from the nations and their gods. God, don't destroy them because you redeemed them. You called them out. David, when he's praying about building God a house, 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 23, he says, and what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself and to make him a name and to do for you great things and terrible for thy land before thy people, which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt, from the nations and their gods. This was a recurring thing. God is the one that redeems from distress and from difficulty. With this understanding then, God becomes a deliverer. He redeems from distresses and turmoil. He redeems from plagues and sickness so that physical well-being is restored. He redeems from calamity so that things that I once possessed are restored back to me. He redeems from the loss of land so that my wealth is restored. He redeems from slavery and poverty so that my finances are restored. He becomes the deliverer. Have you ever been under extreme distress? God is a God that delivers from your distresses. Huh. He is able to pick you out of where you are and deliver you from the problems that you're in. If you've got problems here tonight, I know a God that is able to deliver you from your distresses or from your problems. He is a deliverer. If he can lead the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, he can lead a poor, sin-stained, sick soul out of the bondage and addiction 
addiction and dysfunction that they are in and give to them freedom and liberty. There is nobody here tonight that is shackling my feet or my hands from lifting them up in adoration and magnification to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Why? Because he redeemed me from the hand of the enemy. I couldn't do it before. I didn't have the ability to do it before, but I've got the ability now because he redeemed me. He purchased my freedom. He gave to me liberty. Well, has he ever redeemed you from some things here tonight? Well, the scripture that we read said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So because he redeems, Noah can say he redeemed my family from the flood. Abraham can say he redeemed my promised son Isaac when I was about to offer him as a sacrifice and from the thicket God prepared for himself a lamb. Jacob can say he redeemed my relationship with my brother Esau. Joseph can say he redeemed me from prison and plucked me out of being a castaway. Moses can say he redeemed me from the hand of Pharaoh. Miriam can sing he redeemed me from the army of Egypt at the Red Sea shore. Joshua and Caleb can say he redeemed us from wandering in the wilderness. Gideon can say he redeemed me from the hand of the Midianites with the sound of the trumpet. Samson can say he redeemed me from my failure. David can say he redeemed me from the lion, the bear, and the giant. Job, having lost it all, can say, for I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. All these individuals can testify about what God redeemed them from. And I'm here to ask you tonight, what has God redeemed you from in terms of your distresses? I didn't think I would make it out of that valley. It seemed like it was a long time coming. It seemed like it was an open book and there would never be a closed chapter. But somehow God worked in the situation, maneuvered things around, and created liberty and freedom for me. And an opportunity to say if it had not been for the Lord I would still be a slave I would still be in Egypt I would be controlled by the lion and the bear and Goliath but because of the right hand of God the strong hand of God hallelujah I'm in the house of God tonight because he redeemed me Hallelujah, come on. I'd be in a prison cell somewhere, but God redeemed me. I would still be in my failure, but God picked me up. I, I would still be dominated by the enemy, but God brought to me freedom and liberty. Oh, is there anybody thankful? Anybody here have a testimony of God's power and his ability? I'm convinced that if they can say so, there are many of us here that can say so as well. For the Bible is not a book of yesterday. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever.
<laughs> he redeems us from distress and difficulties. But can he redeem us from our sin and ourselves? This is a redemption of another kind. It's a redemption from sin and death. Paul described his, it's depressing, it's very depressing. In Romans chapter 7, he said, I can't help myself because I am no longer doing it. It is sin inside me that is stronger than I am that makes me do these evil things. I know I'm rotten through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. Now, if I'm doing what I don't want to, it's plain where the trouble is. Sin has me in its evil grasp. He said this, it seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Mm, and he gets to the end of all of this in the last verse of the chapter he says oh wretched man that I am who shall deliver me from the body of this death I'm not just needing a redemption from distress and problems and circumstances I'm needing a redemption from myself myself I've been cursed something is weighting me down is there a way out from underneath this load you see me on the street and you think I have it all together but dominion and a curse of sin is on my life. You see me at the bottom and in the gutter, having lost it all dominion, and this, the curse of sin is upon my life. There is no way out of this unless there is somebody that is a kinsman redeemer that can redeem us from our predicament. I don't care how you try to pretty it up, paint it, gloss over it, do all kinds of things that you want to do to it. You can't gloss over the fact that you've got the domination of sin that controls your life and the penalty of sin is death. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. We are partakers of flesh and blood. Our lifetime is subject to bondage. There's a dead body of sin that is attached to me and to you that Satan uses against us unmercifully. And I know that the end result is death. If there was just somebody that would be a kinsman redeemer that could redeem me from my predicament. Has anybody had a failure here before? Has anybody felt so low you didn't even think you could walk through the church doors and when you did your head was hung down low? You needed somebody to redeem you from the hand of the enemy. Did it feel like there was somebody right behind you telling you that you are a gross failure, a maladjustment of humanity and yet somehow when you got in the presence of the Lord, 
you realize that there is one that partook of the same circumstances that we are. He became flesh and blood and he paid the redemptive price so that you could have freedom and liberty and find an altar of repentance and a renewing in your spirit. You don't have to have your head hung down. You can lift your head high, lift your hands up and say, I'm here not because of my own power, not because of my own ability, but because there was a kinsman, redeemer that came and saved me from my predicament and he gave me freedom and he gave me liberty. Can somebody pay the price or buy back some kind of existence that resembles life? Because the life I'm living, that ain't it. Who's going to pay the price? And what is the price? Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So Jesus Christ is the one that pays the price. So if Jesus Christ is going to pay the price, what is the price to redeem me? Turn to your neighbor and ask them, what is the price? Some people wouldn't give two plug nickels for us. I don't even know what a plug nickel is, but it sounds really good. They, they wouldn't give a dime for you, Jamal. But Jesus Christ said there's some value in Jamal. Jesus Christ said, I'll, I'll be the kinsman redeemer. I'll, I'll pay the price for the, for, the, for, for the predicament that you're in. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19 says, For as much as you know, you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. No amount of money is going to buy your redemption. No amount of good works is going to buy your redemption. There is nothing that's going to buy your redemption. But verse number 19 says, But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He paid the redemptive price through his own blood and it washes and it cleanses and it gives me the opportunity to buy back what life really, really is. You can, you can criticize me all you want. You can say you don't know what fun is, but I found redemption and in the house of God, I found the best kind of life that there is. I'm sorry, clubbing out there somehow and being drunker than a skunk and not knowing who I was with or where I was the night before that's not fun that's not life that's not it but when I can when I can come to church and I can feel the presence of God hallelujah lay my head on a pillow at night and have peace brother Nate that's what life really really is all about that's what freedom is all about that's what liberty is all about. 
Praise God, young people, you don't need to look and say, I wish there was something I could do out there. I'm being kept from a lot of things. No, you're not. You are not. Jesus Christ paid the price so that you could have a Holy Ghost party and you wouldn't have scars. You wouldn't be tainted by all kinds of stuff, but you could find a freedom and a strength and a joy in the house of God. I know you're happy, Brother McAllister. <laughs> I saw that smile. It's almost finished. He was willing to give one thing for another. He was willing to pay the price with his own blood for my freedom of sin, domination of Satan, and death which means I don't have to carry the load anymore. And God has offered to me a great opportunity. Praise God. You must repent. You must be baptized in Jesus' name, and you shall be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You can accept the price that he has paid by applying it to your life. Hallelujah. If you haven't found an altar of repentance, you need to repent of your sins. If you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to be baptized in a name that's above every name. There is nothing like it. He does an operation on your heart, and he changes you. If you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I'm here to preach to you tonight. There is nothing that is greater than the gift of God that is poured out to all people, to those that are afar. He reaches to everybody, to the lowest of the low and the highest of the high. He pours out his spirit upon all flesh. He paid the price. staggering price tag gives way to great gratitude and it produces a response let the redeemed of the Lord say so as we stand together Psalm 107 verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Psalm 107, verse 31, three times says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. When you catch 
that he redeems you from your distress. And when you catch that he redeems you from sin, bondage, and death, it comes out in the way that you live your life. I challenge everybody tonight. I challenge you. I challenge you everywhere you go. You put a smile on your face. I challenge you that you put a smile on your face because God redeemed you from the hand of the enemy. It doesn't mean that you're not in distresses and difficulties, but you have no reason to let your head hang down. You've got every reason to say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I thank you, Lord. Praise God, praise God. In conclusion tonight, the magnitude of the payment radically changed the behavior of the disciples. The magnitude of the payment radically changed the behavior of the disciples. And the magnitude of the payment should radically change the people of God. Praise God, praise God. We should be a people who are thankful, thankful, thankful. Praise God. Are you thankful that he's redeemed you from the hand of the enemy and distresses? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I would have been a castaway. They would have left me on the side of the road. I would have been lost and I would have died. But God's mercy and his redemption give me the ability to say in my distresses, Lord, I praise you and thank you. I've got reason to bless him and thank him because he saved me from the distresses and difficulties that I face in life. Is there anybody that falls in that category tonight that is thankful? Anybody thankful that he saved you from sin and the domination of your own carnal nature and he gave you the ability to lift your hands without wrath and doubting and say this is the evening sacrifice. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. So tonight the altar call tonight is an altar call of thanksgiving. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy endureth forever. If you're feeling low, why don't you come and just thank the Lord for a few moments tonight? If you're feeling good, why don't you, why don't you reassess some things and reinsert some thankfulness in the house of God tonight and lift your hands and say, God, you brought me a mighty brother Chris. Brother Chris, you did something to me. I know where God's bringing you from and he's brought you from. Praise God to be able to stand in the well tonight and lift my hands. Say, God, you redeemed me. I'm just, I want to be here tonight. I want to come to an altar tonight just to thank you.